Hey, what's up? This is Kev from the Falafel House Fantasy Football Podcast, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. This is the Magic Our Way Podcast with my mutants, Kevin, Danny, Eli, and Lee. They're cut above the rest, bub. <laughs> you're the best there is at what you do, and what you do is pretty nice. <laughs> Jumbo, everyone! Harambe! And welcome to another edition of... The Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! Magic R-Way! The Magic R-Way Podcast! They are truly magical and whatnot. Sante Sana, everyone! You are listening to the Magic Hour podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. We are artistic buffs talking about Disney stuff, and this is a show in which every opinion is welcome. MagicRway.com is where you can find us for this episode. We are discussing the transformation of the Incredible Hulk from comics to cinema. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. And on this show, we follow the Disney concept of edutainment, where you focus on your entertainment, and along the way, you just might learn a thing or two. Hey, hey, hey. And as always, to join in our discussion, we have a resident comic genius from IvoryComics.com, Mr. Eli Ivory. How you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Uh, it's a wild night, man. How y'all doing? Happy November, sir. Happy November. Happy November. <laughs> Hopefully the election's over now. Yes. Yes. And also joining us on this show is our resident travel agent from Magical Moments Vacations, the Shaggy TA, Lee Lastavica. Hey, Lee. Wow. Election day is over, man. I, that, that is amazing. I don't think any of us were expecting that. But, no. Uh, well, you know, that's the way it goes, man. <laughs> you know, the dude who won. The guy we, that won. We just, we just I mean, have to. You no, know, yeah, just kind of cross your fingers. That's what it is. Hope yeah. for the best. There it is. Hey, life goes on. Country first. Life goes on. I'm just, I'm just hoping and praying for right. a better country. Time rolls on. <laughs> Time rolls on. That's right. That's and that voice, extra voice you're hearing, is none other than Mister Fresh off the boat with the Pirates of the Magic Kingdom, where he serves as quartermaster. We welcome back our very own Officer of a Week and Kirk Landry. Hey, dude, what's up? I am so glad to be back. Two weeks in a row. It's a journey I always love to take. You know, I'm happy while you're back. You know, you know why I'm, I'm happy that you're back? Why is that? Because this is the first show of our birthday month. Birthday month? November. Later this month, we will turn officially eight years old. Oh, oh wow. wow. Look at that. Wow. Almost a double digits. Almost yeah, double digits. An accomplishment. Something to strive for. Yeah. Eight years old and 345 shows later. Here, here we are. Lord. How about that? <laughs> wow. Well, in podcast years, you should age like in dog years. <laughs> Something like that. It feels a lot longer than eight. Well, that's a, that's I a agree of, with you. a lot of growing in, in eight years. Mm. It does. Oh, yeah. Two to four, four and a half, you know, five sometimes. It doesn't matter. Websites, pod, uh, Facebook groups. But I can tell you what, say a year from now, we're going to be thinking about our 400th show. 400 shows. How about that? Damn. You gotta love the auto transformation. Yes. Some weekends, if depending on how, let us know how you want to celebrate the four hundred of the show, man. It's that's a, only a year from now. Yes, it's a while uh, while to go, but it's going to come up before you know it. <laughs> we'll be back here in November twenty twenty one, 
and we're going to get cl- very close to 400, man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. While you're doing all that thinking, guys, um, one thing to take note of, we do have an Amazon store now, mm. and uh, we have all our recommended books and movies and recording gear, even our recording gear that we use, and cooking gear that Lee uses and stuff, and cooking with magic. All that stuff we have on the website, we have very good knowledge with. Some of the con- I put some comments in there as I could. Uh, but you can check all that stuff that we like, you know, and so if you want to support the show, every purchase from that store will also help us. Part so, of that so will help if, us. if you discuss a certain book on the show or if Lee dis- discusses a, a guide that he may use to help in, to, in, in planning a trip, if I go on the web, the Amazon store, you would have that? We would have that on there. And if I purchase it through your store, the show makes a little cut? We makes a little cut off that. We makes a little cut? Well, I said it makes a little cut. That, that I got G with you deal. for a second. I apologize. <laughs> so if I'm going to buy that anyway, yes, no matter what, it might as well buy it through your show because so the show makes a little makes a little. It helps money us on. out. Yeah, it helps, well, it helps us keep going. Cheap. It's a way of supporting the show without taking any money out of your own yes. pocket that you wouldn't have been spending otherwise. That's right. Let me let me put in perspective for you. I had to buy something for my kid's truck this week, so I went to the Amazon shop. I added it into the Amazon shop. Then I. You know, went in my own account and I bought it from there. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Disney stuff. There's some, you know. Oh, so there's something I want to I want to purchase from Amazon. If you're just going to purchase, you know, a box of Cheerios from Amazon, let me know before you do it. I'll throw it in the uh, little miscellaneous. You, know, <laughs> and you can put it on there. And, and yeah. look, if I buy a box of Cheerios for two dollars eighty seven cents, you may make two pennies, but well, it's two pennies you didn't have before. Yeah, or you can get yeah. a carburetor for four hundred bucks and then give them four dollars, or a sexy negligee. Ah. Hmm. Maybe you got an anniversary coming up. Maybe you got it. Listeners, Lee has given you his number many a time. So (laughs) from now on, if you see something on Amazon, you're about ready to purchase it. Text me. Stop. Text Lee Lastavica and say, put this on Amazon. I want to help the show. And he will do it. And he will do it. And there you go. Well, that sounds like a win-win situation. I get what I wanted. You get a little little dough out of it. Help the show along. Doesn't cost you a dime extra. So, yeah, make sure you visit that. Amazon.com slash shop slash magic our way. And today, as I stated in the beginning, we are discussing the transformation of the Incredible Hulk from comics to cinema. And I will turn it over to Eli, who will tease us a little furthermore. Eli, tease. Just like this country has been changed this topic is about change. You, on this episode, you're going to learn the art of transformation. We're going to talk about the many faces of the Incredible Hulk, from comics to cinema. You're going to learn how he came to be, the actors that played him, the actors that could have played him, and why Ed Norton didn't play him in the Avengers, and why Mark Ruffalo can't play him without the Avengers. And you're also going to learn there's one force that can stop the Hulk. And trust me when I tell you, it's a hint. It's not the juggernaut. So whenever <laughs> you guys are ready, we're going to Hulk up. We're going to take our hands, dig it into the earth, and we're going to unearth the power of the Incredible Hulk. Is that uh, Force uh, holding a briefcase and wearing a suit <laughs> and saying, excuse me? What I- <laughs> 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 likely, yeah. So guys, look, enough of our jibber-jabber. Let's go discuss some transformation magic. Ooh. Hulk, always Hulk. And here we are on the hub, and I'm going to turn it over to our colleague, Eli, who's going to take us through this journey of Hulk's transformation from cinema. Oh, I'm sorry, from comics to cinema. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the Hulk's transitioning, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a new movie we don't know about yet. 
That would be She-Hulk. Let's I hope would. they can get it made. <laughs> yeah, so uh, here's the thing. This is one thing that's been inspiring me, and I've been using this for uh, the past couple episodes that I've had the privileges to uh, to host. And it's pretty much a thing about comics and business. It's been a thing of mine. Something happened to me a long time ago. I'll talk about that at some other point. Ooh. But... Um, not transitioning, but anything you want to tell us? No, it's it's relatable to the stuff that I've <laughs> no been talking banner, about. Holy Hulk! Holy Hulk! Oh wow! No uh, banner on this show. No, no banner. This is straightforward. Uh, so here's the thing: I've been interested in how comics has been um, transforming into business, and seeing what has happened. Like we've gone past Halloween, but our country is changing. So, like, I felt. What more appropriate character to use at this moment than the transformation of Bruce Banner to the Incredible Hulk? So, with all that being said, check this out. We're going to start with the comics first, all right? So, now, here's the thing. Now, you guys know who created the Hulk, right? Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Stan Lee, the man. Stan the man. That's right. Stan the man. Stan the man. And uh, he's the writer with uh, artist Jack Kirby. Legend, right? Yep. Have you heard of him, Kirk? Jack Kirby? Jack Kirby. Uh, I don't know his name, but I think um, he drew stuff. He drew a lot of I'll, stuff. I'll look into it. He's a he's a legend. Check it out. Trust me on this. Was the nickname made with King? That sounds about right. His sir. nickname was King. Yeah, he started Ooh. off a lot of stuff. Like in this era of time in the comics, you got it. You got to imagine that, like you know, the imagination was booming. There was a lot of things going on outside of comics that you know, Stan and you know Kirby, like they were taking things that were happening in America. Because that's what this is about right now. The transformation of America transforms us as artistic buffs and makes us do creative stuff. And this is an example of that. Now, in this time, Stan decided to go ahead and he was inspired by uh, literary references. Okay. Literary references. Yes. Okay. Yes. You Have you heard of the author Mary Shelley? A Frankenstein. Frankenstein. That's it. And, uh, you know, the person who made uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Stan decided to take, well, I guess what you would you say it would be Frankenstein and then Frankenstein's monster, and then combine them with Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and now you have a scientist who has had an accidental explosion occur to him that allows him to transform him into a creature, if you will, like the fly, like the fly. Like yes, the fly. <laughs> it's horror, it's sci-fi, it's got it all. You know, it encompasses you. So um, Stan comes up with this idea. He thinks it's like, hey, man, I, I like this. It's got this monster. He's, he's crazy. Kirby thinks, hey, look, uh, I like it. But, you know, the thing that inspires me about this creature is strength. And so there was this fable. You ever heard the fable where, like, there's a, there's a kid. And the kid's trapped under something. And the mom sees the kid. And she's like, oh, my God, my baby. And she runs over and, like, lifts the object up. Yeah, she's got adrenaline. Yes, she's got yeah, adrenaline. Right. So Kirby took that. And he was like, I want to add that to this character. And there you have a monster. Wait, you mean like she wanted? To, he wanted to add super strength to the monster. Yes, he wanted. Seems to add. like monsters would be just that's automatic with the monsters. Like all monsters seem to have super strength. They, that is true. But Kirby is the artist, while Stanley's the writer, so uh-huh. he has to get that visual, you know, picture okay. in there. Got right? It. All right. Yeah. So yeah he, that sounds good. He's got the you know he's got the thing of the lift. But the, here's the thing: they have no name for the creature. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So. Here's the thing. So Stan thinks about it, and he's like, I need a name. If I could only come up with a name, 
that would encapture the power of this creature. I would be good. And so he thinks back and he reflects and then he thinks about a character that was created before he actually got started in Marvel. Oh, he was a Hulkamaniac? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, brother. My 24 inch pythons, brother. He's talking about the cat that ripped the shirt. Did he eat the vitamins? Yeah. And he says his prayers. prayers. That's right. And and talks to the kids. Training. All that training. Now, here's the thing this is in the 60s. Unfortunately, uh, Hulkamania doesn't exist yet, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. That's right, brother. Yeah. I I thought Hulk Hogan was like 82 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Okay. Maybe his mustache is. I'm just saying. I, 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 I was saying with that. Uh, but here's the thing. So Stan reflects back to a character called the Heap. The Heap. The Heap. And so imagine this. You ever saw Creep Show? Yes. Yes. All right. You remember Creep Show? Yes, I remember yeah. Creep Show. Okay. So you remember the one where there was a meteor and the meteor like came down and like Stephen King meteor. was. Yeah, meteor. Yeah, yes. and, he, and like Stephen King was the dude. He was like this former. That he like licked it and all his other weird ass oh, stuff. Go. Oh, the grass and everything. Yeah, and oh, the grass yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah, it was, that still haunts me. Yeah, it's a creepy one. I don't think it's personally the most creepy one, but it's still weird. So you remember at the end of it, he turns into like this big old thing of grass. All right. Well, that is the visual representation that I could tell to you for this character that was called the Heap. The Heap. The Heap. I think the characters that the people that created the heat probably were smoking the hemp, but that's just <laughs> my hemp. opinion. A heap of yeah, was <laughs> <in> the sixties. <laughs> so they they made this character in nineteen forty three. It was like a very small publication. Uh, I think it was done by uh, it was called like it, it was in Air Fighter Comics uh, number three, like December nineteen forty two. It's pretty much when this was made, right? So Stan sees this, and it's basically a big green creature. And he's like, I could do better than that. I'm standing man Lee. I'm going to use the word Hulk instead of the heap. Is there any reason why he picked Hulk? Yeah, it's like, just- where did he come up with Hulk? Yeah, well, so like, you know, uh, the essential word of it just pretty much means... Like a, a big thing. A big thing, yeah. But maybe... I'm- Here's the thing about Stan, and I was gonna I was gonna hit this a little bit later in another phase, but Stan has a thing for alliteration. So you know what yes, alliteration is. You're right. Peter Parker, Doctor Doom, Reed Richards. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Bruce Banner. Lex in this particular Names state. with the first and, and second name have the exact same letter alliteration. Exactly. So he says, Hey, I like the heap. But call my man the Hulk. Well, here's something. I was looking at the de- the definition, and Hulk can be translated or defined as a large or unwieldy boat or other object. So that kind of embodies a lot of Hulk. Yeah. He's rather unwieldy himself. Yeah, he is, he is not to be tamed. And again, remember, we're talking about Stan taking, you know, Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Now, I'm, I'm putting this, I'm putting the Frankenstein monster term into this this is banners monster yeah because everybody's like everything i read was like oh yeah it's frankenstein I'm like no there's a difference there's frankenstein that's dr frankenstein and then it's frankenstein's monster which is what people are used to seeing so like you know frankenstein monsters the one who's like rah, rah, right. you know pitchforks <laughs> and like you know torches and stuff and he's green right dr frankenstein is it's alive it's alive yes yes <laughs> Frankenstein. Yes. I saw a comic thing on the, on the internet the other day. It's like they have this uh, United States Postal Service guy walk up to Frankenstein. It's like, oh no, I'm his monster. He, Dr. Frankenstein lives next door. You're right. <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I think that's the key to like the, the history of that. And that's me just talking as a comic guru. He's 
at this point is taken. Like he took Dr. Jack or Mr. Hyde. So you cannot say, in my opinion, you can't say, all right, this is Dr. Frankenstein. No, he just said Frankenstein. Like everything I was like, Frank is like, no, if it's Dr. Frankenstein, there's a scientist. And then it's Frankenstein's monster. Bam. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Okay. So now you know how he came up with that. And he also compared, people asked him, Stan, that is, what else would you equate this monster to? He also equated this monster. Well, we can say we can say Hulk at this point because we've already talked about the heap thing. He's also equated to the Jewish mythology monster, the golem. The golem. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, a huge monster for the Like a Medusa. Know. Well, the, the golem is like a huge monster made of mud. That's the... That's the uh, was a monster from what it was dogma. Yeah. That's a gorgon. No, a golem is like Medusa. Medusa, the chick with the snakes. Yes. No, no, Medusa was a gorgon. That's a gorgon. Golem is what he's talking about. The golem is like a mindless beast that like some is summoned up and is made completely of mud, but it does whatever you say. Yeah, you need to see that uh, episode of Supernatural. It's the whole. They have a whole thing about that guy. Really? Golem. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that's exactly that's a that's a gold cut. Uh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of the golem, right but it's now. a big monster of mud essentially that just uh, just does what it needs to do for the sake of the mythology, if you will. So he's he's always been compared to that, right? Okay, so now they go ahead and they say, all right, we're gonna make a comic with this Hulk guy. But the first thing they think of is they say, okay, well, what color should we make him? Now a golem is made of mud. Now the thing is, is that. Stan did not. I, God, God bless Stan. I'm gonna say God bless Stan because during this time in the '60s, a lot of things was happening, and we're not gonna get into it because it's outside of the realm of comic books. Peace and love, man. Peace and love. Word, brother. So the thing is, is that Stan wanted to make a character that had a color that would not be associated with anyone else. So therefore, if the character tore up stuff and everything like that, you couldn't say, oh, well, that character's yellow. It's this or that character's brown. It's that. He decided to make the character gray. Although. Well, you said gray. 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 Okay. Yes. But the thing is, is that, OK, let's say let's say the scientist is he's brown. So if he turns into a creature that's brown, is that offensive to anybody uh, during that time? Just throw that out there. What do you think? Were you saying like if he turned, if the Hulk was brown? If, if Banner was like, brown and then he turns into Hulk and the Hulk is brown, uh-huh. does that offend anybody? No. See, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. In the 60s, no. 2020, offends everybody. Maybe. What but- doesn't offend people in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what the thing is, is that if, like, here's the thing I was I was wrestling with. It's like if you have a scientist and they're like, oh, okay, here's the character. The character's smart. And he's of whatever color. Doesn't matter what. He's of whatever color. And he turns into this character of the same color because that's what Stan was wrestling with. The people may focus upon the rage part. If the character is of one color, he changes to a monster of the same color, then whoever is looking at that can easily say, well, this cat is smart. This cat's a beast. So I don't think... In that instance, that Stan is is correct, but that's a speculation on my part. Wait, he what he's saying is is that if the Hulk was brown, but because he was a mindless monster, he thought it might turn racial. Yes, because like right, Ban is white. Sure. No, I get that because here here's this guy who's a scientist who's white, super smart. When he turns brown, then he's dumb. 
Yeah, I get right. that. Right. Yeah, I, I, no, I get that. that. Would be a problem. The way you <laughs> the way you phrased it sounded like if a guy was white and his mo- he turned to a monster and the monster was white, it, would that be a problem? And the, yeah, the answer is no. Well, no. Okay, if yeah. the ca- if the scientist is brown and he turns to the monster is brown, does that make the same difference? I guess his concern was more about the monster than the scientist. His more his concern was more about what would happen to the color of the monster. And we we know that Stan Lee was before his time. He was very you know aware, aware of the situation. Those, of the situation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Don't even get me started on the X Men, but yes, absolutely. So, uh, but that's just something to throw out. Let body let let that mandate. So, what Stan decided to do was he said, "Hey, look, you know, I'll be cool about it. I would make the character the Hulk. That is, it's called gray. I'm gonna right. make him gray. Can't go wrong with that. Ain't no gray folks running around." Can't go wrong with that. There was a small issue with that, though. So there was a colorist. His name was Stan Goldblum. And back then, they didn't have computers that were like, you know, did Photoshop and Adobe and all that other stuff. What they used to use back then, and this is where the um, art education is finally paying for it. Ah. Imagine a transparent piece of paper, but it's a variant different colors. So like a red, you know, like you know, blue, that kind of stuff, right? So what they used to have to do is they used to have to cut the pieces of the paper out. And so when they would get the drawing, they would take the paper and they would overlay it over each other. So what happened is when you overlay enough of the papers together, it would create a different color. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you would take that color and you would bring it to the printer and then the printer would be like, because it's not like now. It's not like you can say, oh, okay, yeah, this is 256K color. Oh, so that's how they created colors back then. Yes. Interesting. For this then it was advanced, but now it's considered primitive. So they would take this and it would overlay it. And then like the printer would take it and then like he would do his thing running through the plate because the plate only had a handful of colors to it. So the, the plate can only understand what colors were happening. So you basically had a charcoal colored Hulk. You had like a blue colored Hulk. You didn't have a gray Hulk, essentially. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? So they put out the first issue and then Stan's like, yeah, this, this ain't going to work. This is not going to work. So it was released. Hmm? It was released. The Blue Hulk was released. Well, yeah. Well, the 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 mistakes that happened from the colorist, yes, that was released. Oh, in the first issue. So maybe I would go. You know what? I would go as far as to say this: that issue was sent to print, and so Stan saw that and said, "Yeah, that's not going to work because the Hulk changed colors throughout the issue." That's what I was going to say. Wasn't it like more of a thing where it it varied? Within the same book. Yes. Not necessarily there was a whole book of a Blue Hulk. No, no, yes, yes. Once once Stan saw the printed copy of it, he was like, yeah, that's not right. That's not going to work. We can't have a, you know, it's a dude is a monster. And he changes all these different colors. Like, basically, the colors that Stan wanted, he didn't get. So Stan was like, let's just make him green. You could do green, make it green. And so, therefore, boom. That's how the Hulk got his color. Interesting. Okay, that, that's a really good uh, tidbit. Limited by the, the the technology at the time, it sounds like. Exactly. Right. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, yeah, if he's, if he's made down, then it'd be, boom, it'd be, like, easy peasy, right? Right. Like, you do whatever color you want. Yeah, it'd be no problem. But it's pretty much, I think the interesting thing is about that is that, 
like you, like we said earlier, that Stan is so aware of everything that's going on right now in the sixties that he's just like, I just want people to enjoy the character and not be read into, yeah, it. not read into it. You know, I I, I think that's a that's a great thing. So, needless to say, the Incredible Hulk is born in the comics in. 1963. This is the thing you should know uh, going forward. Uh, we're just strictly talking about the comics here for anybody that's listening. The Hulk comics works in a certain set of phases. Kirk, I know you can attest to this. So, like, what they do is they make an arc, which is like a, a series of issues, right? They, they pick a writer, they pick the artist, like, boom, you're doing this. Now, once the artist and the writer team has, like, come close to the arc, then what they do is they say, you want to keep going? And if they don't have enough story, they're like, okay, I think we got to cancel this and then find a whole new team and then do it again and again and again. So that is pretty much the thing. The Hulk has transformed even in comic books to a sense where they've canceled the story, but then they keep bringing it back. They cancel it. And they keep bringing it back. Right now, me personally, have y'all read any Hulk? Copy books. I used to a lot. Yeah, that was my favorite combo character before Batman. A few. Peter a few? David. Kind of. Okay, Peter yeah. David. So like in the 90s. What about you, Dan? Uh, last time I think I really read. My God, I was a child. It, like I've not really read. I mean, I, I remember what was the snapping guy's name? Snap a car? No, that's DC. No, I'm sorry. Snapping guy. No, no, no. Wait, no, it was a Rick Jones, wasn't it? Okay, Rick, Rick Jones, Jones was yeah. the guy who saved the, the explosion. The, 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 yeah. I'm Rick yeah. Jones, bitch. That's the, that's the reason Banner was out there when the nuclear bomb went off. Right, right. I remember it. reading it when I was younger, but I don't really remember anything from the 90s onward. By that point, I was just full blown DC. Okay, fair enough. So I mean, like, yeah, again, during that time, they introduced his origin, which, like Kirk said, there's an explosion. He's trying to save his boy. Well, he's just saving a guy. Like, Bruce Banner is pretty much somebody. trying to save a guy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Bruce is trying to save his cat. He's trying to do, like, this research experiment. And uh, Rick Jones is like, this, just a young dude. It's almost like it's no different than any parent trying to help their kid. He sees this dude going out there on the bike, and he's like, what are you doing? Rick Jones is like, I'm a young kid. I'm just going to do what I want. Meanwhile, <laughs> he doesn't know that there's a bomb about to go off. So Banner goes out there. He says, hey, get off the bike. Boom! There's a gap explosion that happens. And they like tackle him and knock him out of the blast zone radius. Yeah, what, like yeah a, it depends on what version. version of like a trench yeah, or something that, that, was, that was dug there that he knocked him into? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, he saves, he basically, in, in most versions, he saves Rick, but then he catches the, the power of the explosion himself, therefore get the gamma radiation, and then therefore the transformation would start to occur. Right. All right. So now here's the weird, other weird thing. Now in the comics, they originally wanted the Hulk to only transform at night, kind of like a werewolf or something <laughs> like that. I am the night. Yeah. Hulk comes out at night. What? Hulk comes out at night. What? 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 Hulk comes out at night. What do you say now? <laughs> so like, yeah, they they kind of looked at that. It was like, yeah, that's that's weird. Can't do that. So between the color thing and then like the fact of it coming out at night, they kind of say, hey, look, let's just kind of change the perspective of this character and just have it happen when he, Bruce Banner that is, is stressed out. Yeah, it's curious about it. It sounds like they're trying to make a paint-by-number traditional universal monster, but stumbling blocks keep coming along the way. Like, you can't have a, a, a action, like a comic book 
where the action only happens at night. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't have a, a hero book with. So yeah, you got you you have to be able to do it during the day. And oh my god, we want him to be this you know dark brooding. No, we got to be we got to be able to do it where he's colorful now because it sounds like these little ha- little things keep coming along that stop them from spoiling the character. Yeah, they really could have wrecked it at any point in time. It sounds like any point in time, and but I think that's the beauty of and this is this is weird to talk about. I think that's the beauty of the idea is like you know the Hulk in itself is a creature that is supposed to overcome anything based upon pure will. Like that's pretty much what the character comes down to is will, right? The the will of Banner to say hey, I don't want to change, I don't want to change, but shoot, it do piss me off. I'm done, and then like boom. Here's the Hulk. So even then, in that form of ether, there's all these issues. Like you said, there's color change, the issue changes, everything. And then, like, the Hulk still perseveres beyond that. Tell you what, that's an idea come to life. I was going to say, a good idea is a good idea. Good idea is a good idea. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So here's the thing. So, like, it's gone back and forth. Now, really quick, I'm going to just kind of. I'm going to skim the comic line because we're going we're to move forward. Now, uh, the Hulk in itself, like, again, 1963s, right? right? He's going ahead. He's doing this thing. In the series of his comics, you're introduced to Wendigo, the Abomination, Zizaz, which is like, uh, imagine the Hulk if he was made of electricity, right? Uh, you're also introduced to Wolverine. Oh, yes, that's right. Battling that's cool. the character you just said. What? The Wendigo. Wendigo, whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, which is Wendigo? Kinda, yeah, the yeah, Wendigo, Wendigo, but that's kind of like an urban legend yeah. kind of character. Wendigo is like a, it's, it's a zombie. Yeah, it's like a, like, it's like a character that's like, if you were sitting at a campfire, you would hear the wind blow, and it was like, Wendigo, and then like, you know, next thing you know, somebody would disappear, and then like, <laughs> you'd be like, where'd he go? And then like, the wind would hit again, where'd he go? And then like, somebody else would disappear, like, you know, they just put a visual... Uh, look to the character. Well, he pretty much looks like you know, like you saw T Wolf. I've seen T Wolf. Yeah, right. So just take T Wolf and just make him. You know, what, what does he look like? He looks like T Wolf. No, the Wendigo is like it's a oh popular my. urban myth. It, it's really it, it has its origins. I th- I want to say in Native American culture. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've, I've never heard of the Wendigo. Yes, yeah. it, it's the modern day uh, boogeyman equivalent to the zombie. Oh, Bigfoot. Well, I don't know about a zombie. Uh, I don't I mean. I'm sorry. I don't know about Bigfoot. Uh, but it has been depicted as a as a monster per se. But I've often heard it like equated more correctly to a zombie. Okay, so have you heard the wind thing? Because I I got a completely different story. If that's different I've never wind. heard that because like, uh, I can't imagine Native Americans speaking. When did he go? <laughs> what? Where did he go? Why right. did my guy disappear? I don't think that's how they spoke. Uh- <laughs> no, no. It was in the in the thing I read. It was more like the wind when the wind howled. It said its name. Okay, that may be true. Yeah. I don't know. I, no, it's the exactly. That's that's. <laughs> okay. Well, I was pretty saucy. Is that good. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. He can get breathy. He totally can. Uh, so again, yes, it's the the Hulk is a, a gateway. The comic that is to allow for these other characters to come in. Uh, yeah, mainly Wolverine. That's one of the big fights that Wolverine had at an early age, and even to comics this day. Oh my god! I can totally tell you some, a bunch of stories, but we don't have enough time. Wait, Wolverine fought Hulk all yes. the time. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. All the time. Oh my god, that's awesome! I want to see that very first appearance, of Wolverine. Yeah, the the yellow and uh, black striped Wolverine fought the Hulk on the Hulk's book. 
That's right, Bub. I want to see that on the film. This actually, like, if they did this on film, I don't, I don't know if it would help the character of Wolverine. Well, they can do it now. They don't know. They totally could visually do it, but there's actually a part. Uh, I, I want to say it's Ultimate Hulk because the Hulk and Wolverine fought a lot, right? It's like it's crazy, but it's actually a story in the comics moving way forward where the Hulk actually tears Wolverine in half and throws his legs in one area and throws his body in another area. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. And Wolverine has to find his legs before he <laughs> even goes to fight the Hulk. <laughs> but that's way... That's from Lieutenant Dan right there. Yeah, that's that's way, way ahead. So the, <laughs> so the, the, the initial thing I'm saying is that the Hulk has allowed for a gateway. Basically, the Hulk has had the strength to push creatively the doors open for other Marvel characters to come through. That's all I'm saying right there. All right, so now here's the thing. I say this a lot, and I'll say it again. There's one thing that Marvel is really good at, business-wise. Does anybody know what that is? Uh, come on. Making marketing? movies? No. Selling itself off? That's it. That's is it really? It. Selling itself off. Selling the licenses. That is the, that is the key. That is the key to everything. I, I think your question is quite misleading because they're not really all that good at it. <laughs> they like to do it, <laughs> but that doesn't make them good at it. Well, I'm just saying, like, if somebody doesn't want what the property you created, then, you, you mean, know. You mean Marvel back then before Disney bought them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, yeah. No, I'm, That's I'm, like I'm, a major headache for them. <laughs> yeah, that's a major headache maybe, maybe now. Maybe say they're really good at putting themselves in a bad position to where they have to sell off. Well, here's the thing. No, here's the thing. Like, so again, you're talking about okay. Now we're gonna move forward. We're gonna, we're talking about the '70s at this point. So yes, you're absolutely right. Comics is not really like blowing up like it is now, right? These are the things that are happening back then that affect us now. Again, it's a transformation that's occurring, right? So around 1977, Marvel sells a certain library. Of their characters to Universal. Oh, here yeah. we go. Here we go. Yeah. So this now, is the first time that's happened. It's the first time that's happened. So seventies. The Universal 70s. is the first time they get to touch a Marvel property. Period. You should never touch a Marvel property on its period. Never go full Marvel. <laughs> never stop me. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk up, Kevin. That's okay. Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. As appropriate. So, like, 1977, Marvel sells their licenses for certain characters to Universal, right? So, there's his cat. His name is Frank Price. He's the president, or he's the head of Universal, I should say. Universal Television. Let me be more specific. So, at the time, he goes to this cat, Kenneth Johnson. Do y'all know who Kenneth Johnson is known for? Now, we're talking the 70s. For anybody that's listening, I know everybody's very uh, specific. The 70s. We he was talking a about. wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals? Totally uh, not. No, <laughs> okay. Porn star, I believe. <laughs> you mean Kevin Johnson Big on 76th Street on the corner? <laughs> <laughs> I used to go ahead and get that dude like B-ball back there in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Professional wrestler, <laughs> Kenneth Johnson. Kenneth Johnson. That's a rock daddy. Professional cuddler. Well, totally not. <laughs> no. You know what? It's funny to take that as a segue. What he did do is they asked him to cuddle the property of the Incredible Hulk. And they asked him, would you go ahead and be not only the director, but producer of it? Now, here's the thing. This is where I need your help. All right. This dude says he doesn't want to do it. 
but he reads a book called Lay Miserable because I assume he Les was Miserable. bad. Uh, yes. Oh, Lay Les Miserable. Yes. Because I was like, I thought he was bad for like 30 years and then he was like, I'm done. So do you no, know, he was married for 30 years and like, Lay Miserable. But uh, here's the thing. So this dude reads the book of this and he gets inspired and then he goes back to Frank Price. He says, hey, I want to do it now. I want, I read this book. I'm inspired. I want to do this whole TV show thing. Wait, he read, he read Les Miserables and he that inspired him to do the Hulk. Yes. He did not want to do it until he read this book. That's why I was like, what wow. about it made him want to do it? Did you know? Or Well, the, the thing he liked was he liked. That's why I was asking you, like, what this book is about. I'm trying to picture the character in question because I've only seen this musical once. Does, okay, but you said by the government. Isn't that Jean what you Bell said? Jean, they're, they're going against the government. There's some kind of uprising. Okay, so is there something where the government must go after a character or something like that? Is that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So he reads that. And he must be inspired by that because what he does is he makes the show, but he, he goes ahead. And he alters he alters everything about the comic book. That everything. is true. Yes, he did. Yeah, he takes out any supporting character. There's no, you know, Rick Jones, bitch. There's no, you know, there's no Betsy Ross. There's no Abomination. There's no Zizaz, the electric Hulk guy. He takes all that out. And he says, what I like about this is I like the fact that this character is being pursued. That's what he likes about. That's why I was kind of curious because I was like, I don't know nothing about no late miserable. I'm miserable most of the time unless I'm recording this show. <laughs> so the thing is that Kenneth Johnson now, here's the thing. Kenneth Johnson, I'm, you're probably wondering, maybe other people listening are wondering, why Kenneth Johnson? What's so special about this dude? This dude got to read a book and the next thing you know, he got to he makes the TV show and write the book. What's so special about this dude? I'm fascinated by him. The thing is in the 70s, this guy... Worked on the six million dollar man. Oh, yeah, what's happening? Six million dollar man. Six million dollar man. I remember that one. That's what. See, this is my era, boy. This is my era. I read this. I was like, who is Kenny (laughs) Johnson? Who is Kenny? What is so special about Kenny Johnson? (laughs) (laughs) They altered my childhood. They decided to do six million dollar man after watching My Fair Lady. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, what? I didn't know how that. How those two things like I'm come together? Myself. Totally with you, but he also made the Bionic Woman. Remember the Bionic I, Woman? What? I do remember Lizzie the Bionic Woman. Yes. She's like running and everything like that. Okay. Never understood that. Like you know, the characters are running in slow motion, but they're faster than the people running at normal speed. Never understand, but love the show. Right? Love the show. Now here's the thing. I understand. I love Baba Weekends. Now, I'm sure there's some weeks like, well, what's so special about Kenny Johnson doing that? I wasn't born during that time. Fair enough. I got you. What's the Disney connection with this dude? We got to forward into the future. And here's the thing. Uh, Marty. Yeah, Marty. <laughs> Marty. Great Scott. God, great. All right, you remember the show V? Remember that show? Yes. With the aliens and all the green? Aliens, lizard yes. people? Yeah, the lizard people with the dude that he was in. Uh, Beastmaster Beast with uh, Mr. McDowell and stuff with and Mr. Freddy McDowell was in there. Yeah, so yeah. He worked on that show, right? Come on, he wow. was for that, right? Y'all like that ain't enough. That ain't enough. Why you touching the seventies? On I want to go we, full. We want go. We want all the kid and Johnson. Deep, deep, deep. Fair enough. Tell you what, this dude actually went ahead and he did an episode. 
for the wonderful world of Disney. What? Yes. Yes, past this. Hulk Point, this dude went ahead and he made an episode for that. It was called The Liberators. So I don't know if you guys want to. The Liberators. You want to go ahead and search that. More than welcome to hunt that. Knock yourself out. That's it. Now back to the 70s. Here we go. Boom. Zoom it back. So 70s, now, Universal's about to acquire some properties from Marvel. Right. You're right. Yeah, totally. Let's just pull it back. Frank Price takes the, uh, he's the, he's the president of, of Universal Television. Universal has acquired uh, the library from Marvel of different characters. He approaches Kenneth Johnson, who has done all this cool stuff, and says, hey, I want you to do this Hulk television show. That's where we're at, right? This is Bill Bixby and all that? All that. I'm about to get all that. All that right now. All right. So here's the thing. So now Kenneth is he's he's not a fan of comic books. Totally not. Right. So he wants to go ahead and alter all kind of stuff about this comic book character known as the Hulk before it becomes developed into a TV show. All right. Now, part of the process is this one. He wanted to change Bruce Banner's origin story. He did not want to have a big explosion and the gamma ray and all that other stuff. He felt that it would be better to just have Banner experiment on himself. It was more believable. He felt like the fans that would watch the TV show would accept that a lot better. So that's why you see in the intro where he's sitting in that weird machine. He's got all this stuff on him. Like an x-ray machine, yeah. Exactly. Kenneth is the one that you have to thank for that. All right. Now, the other thing is, is that he wanted to change Banner's occupation. So while Banner in the comics is a scientist, a real smart guy, really smart guy, he wanted to kind of, in my opinion, he wanted to kind of dumb him down and just say he's like, you know, not to say anybody in this occupation is dumb. I'm just saying for the sake of the character that's been made in the comic book when put into television, he was changed into this. Just to just yeah. to say, okay, I got you. Yeah, yes. just being safe. So he wanted to change him in, from like a physicist to a medical researcher slash you know, physician. So he knew enough to get you out of a situation, but he wasn't a super genius that he could take like a machine and fix your problem. He made him into like Dr. Richard Kemble. Yeah, exactly. He just knew just enough, just enough. Because he was smart, but he wasn't, he couldn't just, you know, do anything. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't like super genius. You find that man. <laughs> you find Richard it, man. You find that Hulk. You tell him. We know they stole your idea to sell Provasic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god uh, so the, the the other thing is is that he wanted to make sure that in the comics you know you know, Hulk has like a handful of words he can say but in the television show this dude did not want the Hulk to speak at all he was cool with him making noises and roaring but he did not want him to talk he just he didn't believe in that and Stan was totally cool with those changes he totally even said there was an actual quote when uh, I'll sum it I won't read the whole thing but he basically says, hey, look, I had a tough time trying to figure out what words to use in a comic book. But I can imagine on television that it would be really hard to depict that character doing that. And it would sound really silly. So I'm totally on board with him not talking at all. So hence, that's why you hear the Hulk just be like. Rrr, rrr. Exactly. 
the the other thing is is that he also limited the strength of the Hulk. So like while you see, and we'll get to this later, there's parts of the movies where the Hulk is like lifting tanks and all this other crazy stuff. In this television show, this dude basically can only like throw people like eighty feet, or he can like you know maybe lift a car just enough that it goes on its top. So what you're saying, he can't jump as far as he did in that one movie. Absolutely. I'm I'm a little older than all of y'all, so I could say as a child, what remembering watching those movies those, those shows excuse me he was scary you respected the hulk and and because he didn't talk all he heard all he did was roar and growl and stuff like that and he, again the slow motion i say it's, it sounds kind of corny but that did affect it that's the way i, I felt it he was like he was strong even though he was hurling the people a little bit you saw him land they were all right it felt better it felt like he was hurting a long way because he was doing a slow motion yeah, oh, they do that crazy cutscene where, like, you see him in the first instance, he grabbed the guy, and you see the guy, like, Rah! and then, like, the next cutscene, the dude would be launched. <laughs> you know, like. And, and to this day, that uh, a, scary, a scary scene I remember from TV is watching um, Bill Bixby when he looks at the camera, and you see those uh, those green in his green eyes. eyes and yeah. Oh, the weird and that sound. Yeah, that's. That you, was you always the coming. scariest part to me as a kid. It wasn't seeing the Hulk, it was that. Dung. Like, you never knew when those eyes. <laughs> Are gonna, he's it getting, was like seeing Michael Jackson at the end of Thriller when he turns around with those yellow eyes. Like he's like, getting beat hey. up or he's, he's stuck somewhere and the things the walls are closing in on him. And all of a sudden, he just looks at the camera, his eyes are green. You hear that noise like, oh my God, here it comes. Yeah, you, you just, knew it was going to happen, but it's like a jump scare. When everything gets quiet, you know it's coming. It's just time that moment just writes that way. Mm, get you. Bam. And so that's the other thing. That we, and we're going to totally get to that really quick. Okay. We're going to get to that. Now, the thing with him reading the, uh, what's the book called again? Lay Miserable? Yeah, uh, Lay, Lay Miserable, Marriage, all that stuff. Yeah, so by him reading that, that inspired him to make the photographer guy, the reporter guy, Jack McGee. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that so he wanted to go ahead and say, yeah, the Hulk doesn't need to fight all these beasts. What he needs to do is we need to focus on Banner, and then we need to have this dude try to pursue him so that makes sure he you know, gets caught. So maybe in this instance... Yeah, he's this, like the worst investigative journalist totally. of all time. But I mean, so that's what that's how uh, Jack McGee got made because of this Lay Miserable book. And I thought that was a miserable character when I saw him as a kid, and I still see it as an adult. So hence, there's the tie-in between that book and that character, Lay Miserable. Ah, there we you go. Yeah, oui, we. Oui. All right. So here's the other thing. What's the other? Thing? Now, the, so, so the other change that he did was this was funny. So the character in the comic books. His name, Bruce Banner. Again, like we said earlier, he did not like the alliterations and stuff, like you said, like the Peter Parker, the Bruce Banner. So he decided to change his name, the character's name, to David Banner. Actually, it was uh, a homage to his son, right? That really? Was, that was named David. Yes, and that's how he got the name. But the irony of that is, is that they hired a cat, you know, they hired the actor Bill Bixby. So it's like, you don't know, like alliteration, you hired a guy has a literary name bill bixby bill bixby bam there you go so okay so now they have bill bixby he's doing this thing right now everybody likes bill they say okay cool you got it but here's what other problem now they have to pick the hulk oh who's gonna play the hulk who's gonna play the hulk now i know you know who this is gonna be but here's schwarzenegger Uh, i was gonna say i'm not schwarzenegger (laughs) (laughs) is that a joke is that a joke? No. 
No, oh, yo, but I just it thought it would be funny because this is the other bodybuilder, basically like famous you, bodybuilder. You, you laugh, you laugh, but the funny thing is, is actually Schwarzenegger was considered for the part. Wow. Really? Yes. Otto Schwarzenegger actually auditioned for the part of the Incredible Hulk, but the problem was that he was too short. Schwarzenegger is like 5'2". What? Yeah. So really? Yes. No. I'm just that explains short. why that explains why they had to cast Danny DeVito in Twins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's shorter than he actually is in yeah. the movies. And then Danny DeVito is shorter than most people. Yes. So I guess like I guess is how you frame you know like frame the camera or whatnot. That's interesting. But he he was too short to play the Hulk. Now the next character that they had was Richard Keel. Do you know who Richard Keel is? I'm familiar with that name. Do but you I like James Bond? Yes. I love James Bond. Okay. A, Do you yeah. like James Bond villains? Yes. Oh, the shark. Few, yes. Shark Teeth. What's his name? Oh, Shark Tooth guy? He's on the roll. Yeah. Go ahead, Lee. Is he, is he a Moonraker too? The dude else. with the metal teeth. Yeah, the metal, he was a Moonraker too. Yes. Yes. No, no. You know, you know. Gort. Jaws. 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 That's it. Yeah, Jaws. Yes. Richard Keel was the actor who played Jaws in the James Bond movies. And he actually got picked for the part he played in the first episode of it, like the pilot episode. Like I the, can see the, that. The teaser. He was a big dude. He's a big dude, but here's the problem. He's not built. Yeah, yeah. He's not built. Even Kenneth's son looks at Keel and says... He's not built. He's not <laughs> built. He's the right height, but he's not the right build. Right. Like Keel doesn't see, can't see well out of one eye. So you know, like y'all were yeah, talking yeah, earlier, he's got the crazy eye. Yeah. He's got the crazy. So you know the thing where, like, you, like you said, like Banner changes in the Hulk, and he got the weird eyes and yeah. stuff. So those are contacts that they got to put in there. Well, it was driving him crazy. So like in one of his eyes, because I ain't work right. So he puts the contact in, it doesn't work. Now, the other thing is they got to put him in this green paint. He hates the green paint. It takes over like three hours to paint him. So they tried him out. Yes, he actually oh, is in wow. the filming of the of the show. Like they say that if you catch a certain part of the pilot, you can see him in it as the Hulk. Yeah, Jaws was the Hulk. Take that to the bank. Well, who and who did end up getting well, that's Mr. Lou Ferrigno, sir. Mr. Lou Ferrigno is, is the guy who you've seen if you watch any of the 70 shows for uh, The Incredible Hulk. Lou Ferrigno's the guy. And uh, that's pretty much like the history uh, for him. I mean, he's pretty much been thought of as the Hulk going forward, even into the future. The only thing that really had to drive him crazy, uh, he had the right build. But the thing was, was that he had the, they had, again, like three hours of paint to put on him. Right. And you know, I don't know if y'all saw the show, but in the show... Oh, I saw the show, yeah. You know he had that weird hair? Yeah, it's like straight, kind of bobby But it didn't fit, right? Yeah. That's yak hair. What? Yak hair? That That ring is made of yak hair. Well, it was like the forehead, too. It was was just like a Cro-Magnon man kind of thing. Yeah, it's a weird creative choice. That was yak hair. Yak hair. That's what I was. I was always wondering. I was like, man, I've seen that dude in, in cards without the makeup. I'm like, where your hair at? Oh, I can <laughs> see it. I can see it. Yeah. So I'm looking at a picture right now. He's like, yeah. Why wouldn't they like just it. use his regular hair? I guess it doesn't look manic enough. It's curly. I guess it doesn't yeah. look cool enough. And, and you have to have that big prosthetic on. But that's right. I mean, the seventies were crazy, and the, and so the, and the thing is, is that. You put all that together, and uh, they they said that you know the show was a hit, right? They liked the fact that there was, you know, David Banner, 
he would walk somewhere and then like something would happen. He tried to be cool about it. Somebody set him off. He turned the Hulk door over a car. Something else would happen. But the dude was always on the run because they thought he was dead. That was the whole thing. This dude is dead. He can't tell anybody who he actually is. So the thing is, is that that fugitive story, like that it is a type of story, the fugitive story, well, minus the one on man, is something that you got to keep in mind going forward. Because uh, we're going to put it like this. A lot of people liked that storyline. That's how strong it was. Now, Universal was like, boy, we got to hit. Right? We got to hit. We like it. Now, this the show lasts till about the early 80s. But Universal's not done. They're like, hey, look, got, got an idea. I get, you know, Lou, Bill, y'all tired. Y'all worked a lot. Good job on the show. But... We just need y'all to make a couple of TV movies. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all those sucked. A couple of TV, yeah, couple oh, really? of TV movies. Yeah, so, I don't think I remember these. So they did, I do. They, did, they did the Incredible Hulk pilot TV show. Now, what they did, though, was it was actually a two-hour movie. And then Outside Countries was actually released as a theatrical release. So in a certain, in a certain sense, this is technically a Hulk movie, just not the U.S. because they split it into two one-hour episodes. Oh, wow, okay. Yes, for that particular one. <laughs> like, do you count a TV movie as a movie? It has the same running time, but it's just on television, not the big not screen. Not back then. Like, yeah, I would, Netflix but, yeah. and everything, yes, but back it was then, a little no. Yeah, I guess so. Fair enough. So, Universal don't agree with you. So, what they did was they, they came up with these TV movies for The Hulk. The Incredible Hulk, Return of the Incredible Hulk, Right, they had the Incredible Hulk Returns, which is uh, what you're talking about uh, with Thor. They were trying to do a show with Thor and introduce him through the back door. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it totally did. <laughs> you're a poet, and you didn't know it. Absolutely, they were trying to get Thor to have his own TV show, but they were trying to have him go through this this the Hulk, Hulk TV movie the established audience. And then there was the Incredible Hulk goes bananas. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden. So, and then it was a trial of Incredible Hulk, which had uh, you Daredevil. like this. They had Daredevil in it, which was, it was Rex. Oh. It was Desert. No hmm? kidding. Yeah, it Rex was Daredevil. Uh, I mean, he had um didn't have his costume, but he had like a it mask. Was just, on his he was face. completely in black. Yeah, okay. yeah, completely. And then uh, you know, I mean, you know, he was Street Hawk. That's all I say. But you know, you like Indiana Jones. I do. I love John Rhys Davies was the kingpin. What? Yeah, so there you go. Your dude's villain, right? It's That's crazy. Cool. So then they came up with other TV movies, right? So you got Death of the Incredible Hulk and whatnot. But, like, you know, unfortunately, Bill Bixby was having the ills of cancer, so they couldn't make any more shows uh, with him, unfortunately. And the dude passed away, of course. Um, but very good actor. Loved the TV show. And you know what? To bring it on back to Disney, the guy who played Thor, Eric Kramer. He was a dad in. Good luck, Charlie. Yeah. On the Disney Channel. No kidding. Ah, I see. Absolutely true. I like that city. You bring it that back. Cool. Aaron Kramer. That was the cat's name. Go Eisner. Thor. Go Go Eisner. Look, Michael Eisner representing with me and Danny right here. See, but now, so we have to move from the television uh, all to the movies. Now, I'm sure everybody's asking, like, well, so we're from television episode to television movie. Now we're going to the movies? We're going to the movies. Now, oh, I'm, okay. I'm sure that the thing is, is like, well, hey, dude, why would you even talk about this television show? Some of us weren't even born yet. Well, here's the thing. Number one, is to make sure that you understand that Universal is now tied to Marvel at this point. That's true. Right? Number two, the television show lays out the practical format for the movies going forward. 
This really? is how, yes, because this lays out the format in the sense of television for people seeing it in the movies going forward. They don't appreciate the media of the comic. They appreciate the media of the television and how it's presented from the comic. You understand what I'm saying? Fascinating. Uh-huh. Okay. Bam. And then the third thing is, I always wanted to know who made D3 in the Bionic Woman. So that's helped me out right there. Oh, yeah. good. There you go. I'm yes. very I'm very happy. What's okay. his name again? Kenneth Johnson. Kenneth, Kenneth Johnson. Johnson. All right. That is how you did that. <laughs> okay. So now here's the thing. Now we're going to move on to the movies. Right? All right. Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring it back and we're gonna work it forward. Okay. All right. Now here's the thing. Now during that time, the comics were doing really they were doing better, right? And so in the comics, you talking about time between the TV movies to to yeah to, to where the, we're where we're okay. coming now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Eighties to the nineties. We're, com- we're, we're coming to the late 90s, early 2000s at this point. And the comic books are doing well during this time. They do okay. well, but they still follow the same procedure of, hey, look, here's the team. We ran out of our arc. We quit. Okay, here's a new arc, and we're going to deal with that. So it still keeps that format going forward. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now, here are two things you got to keep in mind, because I'm not going back to the comic book. Right, right. But here are some things you need to know. Uh, one, there was a run by a, a writer called Bruce Jones. Okay. And in Bruce Jones, Banner is a fugitive. The other thing is, is that in the 90s, now, Kirk, you know, you just said it earlier. Uh, Kirk, you mentioned that Peter David Peter was David. a writer, right? Right. Do you remember the artist on the on the Hulk in the 90s? That would be Tom McFarlane. Yes. And then later, what, a little later. No. Okay. Nope. Dale, remember, all right. Dale Keown coming. Come Dale Keown. Yep. Dale Keown, right. Definitive Hulk artist. Uh, then when we move into the 2000s, there's a cat named Mike Didio which is a Brazilian artist, completely different story. But here's the thing. Keep those names in mind going forward. All right. Now, so here's the thing. So they, they go ahead and universal is like, Hey, and that TV show was cool. And we did the TV movie and everything like that, but we want to go bigger. We want to get bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> right. <laughs> We have the technology. We can rebuild him. That's we right. Build him. We can do it. So they. So what they do is they're like, okay, we got enough material. We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna make a Hulk movie. Now here's the thing, and I learned something completely new off of this one. Movies and comics, or the business of art and comics, is like they're a different beast all their own. I really did not realize that. I had a taste of it. With the Howard the Duck one and, you know, the Captain Marvel lawsuit thing, I figured that was just kind of crazy. But this one is just like, wow, this is this is crazy. So Universal goes ahead and they say, OK, we want to go ahead and make a Hulk movie. Now, the thing is, is that they have a how I put this in the movie in the movie scene. They have a whole plethora of people to choose from, but it's only based like a resume. Right. It's only based upon the movies that they make. So they decide to go ahead and go with a guy named Joe Johnson. Now, Joe Johnson directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, okay. oh wow. Wow. Disney, bringing it on back. Yeah. And then uh, he also worked on Jumanji. Oh, okay. Yes. So they were like, okay, they, we want this guy. We want him to do it. And so they attach him to the film. And they're like, okay, this is going to be our big Hulk project. And Joe Johnson was like, yeah, I want to do that. 
I'll I'll want to do that. Okay. I don't want to do effect driven movies anymore. But then later he went and did Jurassic Park three. I was gonna say he had enough shrinking of the kids. Yeah, exactly. And then he went and did like the Rocketeer. And ironically enough, later down the line he ended up doing Captain America: The First Avenger. Really? Yes. So it's kind of crazy. He's like, I don't want to do no superhero stuff. I'll do superhero Wait, stuff later yeah. down the Think line. About yeah. You know, see the way it's going. Because Hollywood. because money. Read yeah, because of money. the room. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay. So the thing is, is that they, they, they asked him first. And then there was another guy that did a screenplay with him. And uh, there's a lady named uh, Gail Hurd. I think she works on The so Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. She's yes. a producer. Yes. Okay. So back then, right? So she's mad to this dude. His his uh, his name is John Hensley, right? Now Hensley, he's never directed a movie ever, but he's worked on a bunch of different written projects. They go ahead, they they pick them, and they have Hensley, and they they say, "All right, you're the guy." Now Hensley is kind of close. He's kind of close. He wants to do a story where there's you know the military's chasing the Hulk, and then at some point before Banner becomes the Hulk. He's just this mad scientist. He decides to work on a bunch of convicts and mix them. Not, I'm not making this up. He wants to take the convicts and then mix them with insect DNA. Does that sound like anything? It's like Jeff, Bloom, Jeff Goldblum was the fly. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bumble yeah. fly. Bumble fly. Right? Bumble fly. And so, uh, it, but that didn't fly uh, no. with the studio. They were like, hell no. We Poodles. Ain't <laughs> yeah. Poodle <laughs> DNA <laughs> is what we're looking for we in this movie. You know, you know, no, no, no. You know, work here. No, 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 Stallion. That's it. Poodle DNA. You never saw the first Incredible Hulk movie? Oh, you talking about his daddy? Yeah, he had the We work at Toys Dad. We work at Toys Dad. But this is, this is showing you how all that came about, right? So then, okay, so like, let's just, let's just cut to it. So like, <laughs> They go ahead and they say, yeah, dude, we're not taking that. You can actually go online and you could uh, you could totally look it up. And there's sketches for what this movie could have been had Hensley uh, had the movie. I'm not a fan of convict insect men. I don't think I would have seen that. And I think uh, I, I was showing I was showing you early, Kevin, that that sketch. That was a sketch that this artist did. For the proposal for this Hulk movie that never got made. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Interesting. So, all right. So, now, here's the thing. They say that's that part of it's not going to work. So, next thing you know, there were some other people that threw in some stuff. They're like, hey, we read the Hulk book. We want this guy to happen. We want Zizaz to come. We want all this stuff from the comic books to just have this occur. And then the military happens and all this other stuff. So, Universal's like, yeah. Yeah, we don't want that. You know, we want. We want a guy that we know can make a film. We saw Crotchet Tiger hit Dragon. It won an award. We want Ang Lee. Yeah. That's who we want. Is this Jumping Hulk? Yeah, this is Jumping Hulk. Oh, this is the first no Hulk kidding. movie you ever saw <laughs> with the Hulk. Oh, yes. Jumping Hulk. Now, luckily, right. luckily for Universal, uh, Ang Lee stopped making the sequel to Crotchet Tiger Hit Dragon, which would have been a Disney film called, you know, Crotchet Tigger Hit Mickey. But he, you know, he stopped for <laughs> oh, that. I thought it was Mulan, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is it good? Why is it good? Uh, so, you know, he, so he, he goes ahead. And the way, apparently the way that Hollywood works when they're making a comic book movie, they take all of the stuff, and I'm, I'm boiling it down, they recycle all the stuff that all the other present people have presented to them that they liked and didn't like, and then they present it to the person that they do like. And then that person actually says, well, I like this, I like this, I like that, I want to add this and add that. So it becomes like a Frankenstein monster in and of itself. 
for a character based upon the Frankenstein monster. Don't you love the beauty of this? Gotta love it. That's it. So Ang Lee looks at all of the previous screenplays that have been done. And he says, I like the military thing. I like, uh, in, in, in one instance, I should say, take this back. In one instance, they wanted to have the Hulk fight these other three cats. But they were all colleagues of his before he becomes the Hulk. And so, like, they all are exposed to the gamma radiation and become the abomination, the leader, and then this electric Hulk Zizaz, right? So that sounds Zizaz. like a better movie than what we got. Okay. Uh, yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. So, the so Wait, he, abominations is Zizaz? Well, the abomination is like, you, you saw him, like, in the, the in later the Hulk, in the sequel. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or okay, the okay. pre-boot, as a studio exec called it. There you go. The yeah. Edward Norton version. Yes, the oh, Edward Norton version. Oh, okay, I got it. I got you yes, 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 yes. I remember uh, now. Sorry. So, they wanted to do that. Anyway, Angley goes ahead. He says, I like the military part, and, uh, okay, I like the abomination thing, but I want to do something that has, you know, gravitas towards it. I've won an award. I'm great. I know this comic book Hulk thing. I'm better than that. I'm Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah, I'm Ang Lee. So he wants Broke it. back Hulk. Exactly. <laughs> Which is actually the next movie he did after. I know. That's yeah. What I'm is it really? Yes. yes. Which I'm like, he wanted to have the Hulk in the mountains, you know. Hindsight, not so much. You mean him and the abomination? Him and Rick Jones. Hopefully not him and Nick Nolte. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So, so yes, he goes ahead. He's like, yeah, this is my vision. I want to do this kind of Shakespearean kind of Hamlet thing where this, you know, the because like in the comics, Bruce gets beat up by his dad. So like, Egg's like, yeah, I want to do that. And so that's where you get the two. 2003 uh, Hulk from. So he goes ahead and he makes this thing, but he wants to focus more upon uh, the dad and you know Bruce, which he names the dad David Banner because he is influenced by the TV show. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm not gonna give a review of the movie. That's not what this part of the the show is about. Please, if you listen to this, watch it on your own time and you know tell us what you think. Just know that it happened. And yes, it's terrible. Now here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. So, like, they wanted to go ahead and they were like, we need a banner. Because, like, this dude was focused more on the banner than the Hulk part. Now, did you like Eric Banner as a uh, banner? He's kind of really. milk toast. You know, yeah. you know what? I would say not at all. He didn't excite me. What if I told you you could have had Johnny Depp? What? Wow. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah. Mm, I would have done that. Yeah, he's he savvy. Turned, I, but I don't know if they would have been if they did it the same way. I don't know if it would have been enough. He turned it down. Oh, good for oh, him. Good job. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What if I told you Tom Cruise went for it? He wanted he it. What? Or what? he? Or they he went to him. They went to him, and he turned it down because uh, actually, side note, he wanted. They asked him to be Iron Man too, but he told him that he would need the helmet to be open. To show his yeah, face and like, well, you can't do that. You always no. with the face showing. Yeah, people, man. So he turned that down. He turned that down. Right? Okay. What if I told you Steve Buscemi? No, 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 no. <laughs> How you doing? Now How you that doing? I can see. How you doing? No. Yes. No. That's he went what for. Gotta it. be Mr. Green. <laughs> <laughs> There's he a turned, man with a guitar case full of guns. He turned to the Hulk, straightening teeth out. Yeah, I know. He would have looked crazy if they did like mapped his face on the. I would be like. Yo, that, that Hulk will get beat up. <laughs> I don't know. Now, here's the other funny thing. Now, the guy that they were going to go with before Banner was this dude. Nicholas Billy, Cage. <laughs> no. Billy Crudup. You know who he is? That name oh, sounds, yeah, that sounds familiar. familiar. I know yeah. that name. Mm-hmm. I've seen what him in something before. 
He's in another comic book movie, but it's not Marvel related. DC? DC? Yes. Watch for it. Watchmen? Watchmen? Mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Gave up that part, became Dr. Manhattan. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, of course, all those cats, they asked him to do it. They all turned it down. Bandit took it. And, uh, you know, he did uh, whatever he did. Now, Egg Lee actually did the motion capture for the Hulk in that movie. He was wearing that green suit with the poke, with the ping with pong the balls? Po- yeah, he's yeah. doing that. And wow. so he, I remember seeing that. A lot of people actually, like different comic book fans, like they look back on that and like, I like that one. It was, you know, to give it credit, there was no precedent for a uh, comic movie at the time. So, you know, Angley did what he could. Okay, so now we're going to move forward, okay? So we're going from Eric Bana, and so the next one I got to think of is the Marvel series. Yeah, so now we, at this point, now we, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move into the MCU. But early MCU, we talking pre-Disney. Disney. before Disney, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. pre-Disney MCU. That's right. Bo Weekends, there was an MCU before Disney got it. Like the original Iron Man was not Disney MCU. Right, exactly. The original Iron Man was not Disney MCU. And then The Incredible Hulk followed that movie. And so, therefore, The Incredible Hulk, the next movie we're talking about, is part of the MCU. Okay, so now remember, Marvel has dealings with Universal since the 70s with the TV Hulk movies and the show, right? See how this all comes together? The transformation is about to happen, right? Okay, so now the the Angley movie comes out. It costs way more than it picks up, right? So Universal is like, okay, I think we got something with this Hulk thing. We need to make a sequel, but we got to change a couple of things. So there was actually a clause for that Hulk movie to have a sequel, but Angley was like, yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and make Crotch and Tigger hit Mickey and just go about my business. You know, actually, he made Brokeback. I'm, I'm, I'm about about that, yeah. <laughs> I know, I was just having a joke. I won't touch that. But, uh, yeah. Crouching she, Mountain, Hidden. Hmm. Hidden Lover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. He walks away from it. And so the thing is, is now Universal has a problem. They have to now go ahead and say, we got to, we want this property. We want it to work. The dude that we had, he it kind of sucked, but with a little direction, it could work. But uh, shoot, we don't know what to do because we don't have nobody to make the sequel. So then what happens is Marvel jumps in and says, hey, we've been doing merchandise and all this other stuff. We've been saving up our money. We want to go ahead and get our license back because we hated that movie. We want to. We want to. They get hated out. jumping Hulk. Movie. Jumping Hulk in yeah. San Francisco and all this stuff. We hated that. So then, like Universal was like, "I tell you what, how much money you got? Because here's the total." And then Marvel was like, "We don't have enough for that." And then like <laughs> Universal was like, "Well, you got enough to take your character back, but you do not have enough to distribute the movie and any rights beyond that. So you can have it." So. Then that point, that's how The Incredible Hulk of 2008 was made and how The Incredible Hulk at that point was introduced into the MCU. Now, the thing is, is that this is where it gets tricky. This is this is the this is the part where everything kind of starts to get a little hazy. Right now, they had all kind of action that was going on during this time. Again, apparently uh, movie companies, they like to keep whatever material for people they fired just in case they want to use the material that they already bought 
the property from from another comic company that made it. I'm very sensitive it's about kinda, this. Kind of, kind of like a, uh, as we learned with Howard the Duck. Yes, kind of. Yeah, okay. the business is very cold, and so like they looked at a bunch of different things, and they were like, okay, we like this, we like that. They were like, we like the military aspect of it. There was a dude, Zach Penn. Zach Penn had actually worked on part of the screenplay for the Ang Lee Hulk, but some of his stuff didn't make the complete cut. Now they got a director, Lewis Lediner, who had been working on the Transporter movies, which is totally an awesome franchise, except for three. But the first two, totally awesome. Uh, so they get him. And so he's like, okay, this is going to be funny. They're like, well, who do you want to play Banner? You know what this dude says? Um, Just the most easiest guess you could possibly have. Easy play Banner? Guess? Yeah. Um, uh, Steve Urkel. <laughs> That's the first thought that comes to your mind, Steve. Brad Pitt. No, oh no, Tom, Tom Cruise. No, no. Where he said all those, like uh, no, well, not easy. Urkel, Nicholas right? Cage. Think, think ahead. I said Nicholas. Cage. Think ahead. Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. All right. Oh, really? Yes. His first, the director's first pick was Mark Ruffalo to play the Hulk in this movie in and the 2008 Edward Incredible Norton Hulk. movie. Yes, in the Edward they Norton movie, they wanted. To go ahead and go with Mark Ruffalo. Nice. I thought wow. he was a better actor. Than Ed Norton? Yeah. Well, oh, I don't believe that. Well, no, no. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. They want, He wanted Ruffalo. The studio, Universal, was like, yeah, that Buffalo, Ruffalo guy, he cute. But yeah, we don't want him. What we want is we want Ed Norton. And here's why. They felt that it was comfortable to go with Norton because he had played in two movies, dual roles. Uh, Primal Fear. That's it. That's one. Fight Club. Fight Club is the other oh, okay, one. Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. Now, he goes ahead and they're like, we want him. He knows how to do these kind of cats. And the other thing is, is that Edward Norton physically reminded them of Bill Bixby from the television show based upon the look of his frailty. You know? And so they were like, boom. He, it would be like taking the TV Incredible Hulk and putting it on a big movie and everything like that. And even Kevin Fahey. Marvel MCU Godfather agreed with that. Even Lou Ferrigno, the original Incredible Hulk from the TV show, looked at Norton and was like, yeah, he could do that. Yeah, didn't he uh, do like some voice work for it? Well, he was in the movie, yeah. Yeah, okay. Security guard with Stan Lee, right? That's it. He delivered the pizza. Okay. Yeah, it's all tied in, boy. The transformation is consistent. Yeah, so they they don't play around. In Hollywood, they just kind of keep it really close to the vest. So that's how Norton got the job over Ruffalo. So even before Ruffalo could have been the Hulk, he could have been the Hulk earlier, but the studio screwed him. Damn. Oh, interesting. Damn. Okay. But you know what? He got back. He did get back. He got that revenge. Oh, got, you, you, oh, oh you, I cannot lie. You <laughs> got back. Oh, All right. <laughs> you, you ain't even seen the twist yet, baby. You ain't even seen the twist Let's yet. Let's see so, what we got. I'm okay, curious. So, now the, so the thing is, is this. Now, Norton, uh, if you will, I mean, he's a smart dude. This dude has been to, like, you know, I think he's been to Yale. I mean, he's done, like, what did you say, Fight Club? Did you like his uh, his thing, Power Phil? It was crazy, right? Yeah, dude, he's an immensely talented actor. I hear he's crazy to work with, but immensely talented. Yes. Like, Fight Club, loved that. I mean, that's why I bought my house, because, you know, him and Brad Pitt was in it. I was like, I got to get that, because Tyler Durden is protecting my house. <laughs> uh, not well enough, apparently. Not well enough, though. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell Brad that. <laughs> I won't get pushed in the eye. So the, the thing is, though, is that they decided to go with him, right? 
So now he is known for rewriting things. If he's involved in a project, if he doesn't like your project, he will like fight you. Not physically fight you, but he will creatively fight you on the project. Now, he's done this in Red Dragon, the Hannibal Lecter thing. He tried to rewrite that. American History X. Remember that when it was the whole, I know we talk about race, but the skinhead thing with the curb stump stuff. He actually tried to not only put his stamp on the writing, but on the editing as well. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Yes. Um, American History X. American History X. What he about, did, did he do any rewrites on Death to Smoochie? I because I love that, that movie. <laughs> that movie did. is awesome. <laughs> look at look at IMDb. If he is listed as the writer and uh, producer, probably so. But I did not see that. To be fair to you, I did not see that in the research that I saw. Mm-hmm. So he's known in Hollywood for having to go ahead and like alter things story wise on the movies. Certain movies, I should say, that he works on. Right. So now he comes into the Hulk and he's like. Check this out. Now, Zach Pitt is an original screenwriter. He actually was a screenwriter again on the Ang Lee Hulk. He's like, all right. And it's like, hey, look, I got this idea. I want to do this and do that. Now, before they do something where apparently, I just learned this, when they do a screenplay, they have to send it to the Writers Guild of America. So the thing is, the way I understand it is the Writers Guild of America goes ahead and they are the people that give you the credit for doing the screenplay or the credit for creating such and such or the other. So now Norton goes to Zach Penn and he's like, man, look, I got this one page rewrite. I think this would be good. Check this out. Zach Penn like, I don't know. I already wrote my stuff. Why you trying to take me away from me? Like, why are we doing that? So they both submit their rewrites to the Writers Guild of America, to which the Writers Guild of America is like, Zach Penn, you got way more work doing than Edward Norton. Actually, Edward Norton did a pseudonym. He changed his name to Edward Harrison. He didn't even like use his actual name. Maybe he had more star power had he did that. We don't know. Or maybe he just wanted his rewrites looked at and didn't want to, hey, I'm Edward Norton, so you better change it the way I wanted it. He wanted his art to speak for itself. There you go. That's a beautiful thing. But the Rattle Gills America was like, no, we all like that. So he's never got the credit for working on the Hulk. Now, here's the other thing. They do the screenplay. They do take some parts of his rewrite, but not all of it. Okay, so if you've seen the movie, have you any you've seen the Incredible Hulk movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you know how he's like emailing Mr. Blue? Yes. That's his. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Now there was also a part that he's gone on record as saying, I wanted to make this movie darker. I wanted to make it like, you know, Christopher Nolan's like Dark Knight, but you know, at least some level of that. So there's actually a part that um he they filmed where Banner is trying to uh off himself in the Arctic and but it doesn't make the cutting room floor, but they keep the footage of him being in the Arctic. You know why? Because in the Arctic, that's where they had frozen Captain America. So if there's a certain part, you know, you see like the the comic flipping, like in that movie, they have like the quick little intros and the blurbs. It's a part of the Arctic where you see Captain America at, but that was supposed to be a part where Banner tries to off himself and the studio does not like that. Now the, the movie itself, it's a hit. 
We just we're gonna we're gonna go past. The movie like, is a hit. The movie's a hit. Okay. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna we just give you. So like Edward Norton is a hit. Okay. Edward Norton's a hit. The movie's a hit. It, I remember seeing it and thinking it was better than the one before it, but yeah, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. think it was necessarily a hit. Yeah, well, it was, it was awesome. better. It, it, all right, you're right. In comparison, Hulk, yeah. yeah, in comparison to Jumping Hulk, right? It's a hit. But Jumping Hulk, oh my God, we just That's make like saying this Snickers tastes better than this pile of shit last week. Touche, sir. All right, so because of all of that stuff, he, Norton, that is, has a fallout with Marvel after the movie's made. Because everybody's like, well, we liked Ed Norton as the Hulk. Why is he not the Hulk? Why is Ruffalo the Hulk? Uh, Okay, so here's the thing. Universal has a clause in it where it allows the Hulk to be in a team movie if it's outside of the parameters of they're making a movie. So Universal is right. allowing Disney to make a team movie with Hulk. Yes. But they don't want Disney making a, a solo, solo movie. movie with Hulk. But they're allowing Disney to change their casting? Yes. So that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, they don't have a problem with the change of the, of the casting for it. They don't have a problem with that. But the thing is, is that Norton makes such a stink with Marvel that, boom, they clash. I mean, you can read this all day. It's very confusing. Basically, Norton says they didn't give him the creative rights to go ahead and be the, you know, like the writer like he wanted. He felt that the script stunk. Uh, Marvel goes ahead and says, hey, look, you know, we're going to make this Avenger movie because at the end of his movie, there's the Avengers initiative in it. They felt that he did not, he would not work collaboratively well with others. He would not be like a good actor with all the other talents that are involved, right? They, I can see that. Yeah, yeah I can see that too. But they go, so they go back and forth, and then like actually Norton's agent goes ahead and says, "No, that's not the case. We wanted more money to work on the Avengers. We like the Avengers. We like that thought. We want to get paid, but Marvel ain't want to pay us." So, like, you get this weird thing. Then there's, like, this roast that happens with Bruce Willis where Norton basically says, I want to be an action star like you, Bruce, but uh, I had a terrible script. So, like, Norton kind of shot himself in the foot. Fahey was just like, look, you know what? We could totally find a different dude than you. You weren't even the guy we wanted initially. The studio made us pick you, so we're going to go ahead and get Mark. The guy they originally wanted. Right, right. the guy they originally wanted. All right, cool. So now, yes, okay. So that brings us to the current movies that we have with Mark. And so, like, of course, uh, do y'all love Mark as the current Bruce Banner? Yeah, love right. is a strong word. Yeah, yeah I don't know if we'll love, like him. I like him. Job. Yeah, See, that's fair. That's fair, right? Because yeah. it's like, you, you know, it's almost like you have to digest him as a character. He's a weird little actor. Like, you know, even watching him in that... Um, What's the name of that magician movie? Now you see uh, me. Now you see yeah, me. Yeah. You can watch him in that. It's he's he's just he's a quirky kind of. He's dude. boring to kinda me. Like I always say he doesn't good for the character. But like, do you love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Yes. Yes. Do you love Mark Ruffalo as Incredible Hulk as as Banner? Eh, I don't know. I think. Do you Norton love Chris Evans, Chris Evans as Captain America? Sure. Yes. I can take Chris Evans as Captain America. Because like he's got to be wholesome, whatever. But he had his own movie. You had the time to digest the fact that who the it. dude is. Ruffalo does not give you that. We went from Norton straight to Ruffalo with no explanation. Yeah, and then like Norton and Norton and Ruffalo are cool. Like the way Ruffalo puts it, when you read different interviews, he feels that this was a part that was inherited to him. To which I'm like, man, you lucked out. Like, yeah. 
when Avengers picks up, when you, when you first when, when Natasha goes out to find him, they're taking it at face value that you know the character's origin because you're yeah. not told anything. You're just yeah. told she's going to get the big guy. And she finds him at that country wherever he's at, and he's taking care of kids or whatnot. And he's a, we know he's a doctor. That's all we know. We're not if you don't know who the Hulk is, you don't know anything. So yeah. it's taking it. We know who the character is. Yeah. So he's catching that fresh. That we're supposed to know who he is already. Yes. So uh, okay, so here's the thing. So we got that. Now one of the there's uh, some funny facts, uh, pretty much about uh, Ruffalo being the Hulk. Okay, uh, first thing you should know is that Ruffalo is the first actor to have the uh, the makeup done on him, but be motion captured and then done over with 3D modeling. So not CGI. In other words, it's not a created Hulk. They base it off his face and whatnot. So he's the so he's like the uh, you know golden child. For that that part of the Hulk. The other thing you should know is that his voice, when he's the Hulk, is a combination of his voice, Luther Rigno's voice. See how that tied together? Luther Rigno's voice and then other actors' voice kind of combined in like one big sense of editing. And that is actually what makes his voice. You're tiny Avenger! That's it. Uh, that's supposed to be him, but yeah, with some uh, stuff going forward. Now, um, so then the other thing is, is that uh, for the Age of Ultron movie, when Ruffalo was the Hulk, uh, Joss Whedon actually waited to the last minute to give him any lines because Joss Whedon was like, I don't know how to write the Hulk. It's like having a werewolf be a superhero. I don't really know how to write that. So, yeah, so all of his lines were last minute. So I give him props for that uh, as an actor. Uh, when he did the Infinity War as a Hulk, he won the uh, Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards for Best Hissy Fit. So there you go. Best, best Hissy, hissy Fit. fit. Which what, was hissy? what was a Hissy Fit? Uh, probably, if it's Infinity War, probably was like, come on down. He's like, no. The Hulk's like, no. Oh, there you go. Screw you then, you big green asshole. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, so now this ties us, this brings us to the tail end of our transformation. We've hulked out. We've been banned. We've hulked out. We felt the power. Now we got to turn the banner again. So Ruffalo has said that since he's been Professor Hulk, which I personally hate, but that's just me, uh, he likes that character. He would love for a Professor Hulk movie to take place where Professor Hulk fights Banner, but then the physical threat being Wolverine. And to that, I say, unless you have something to say real quick. No, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah, yeah. I am too. It's very metaphysical. Yeah, no, it's metaphysical, but it's about that man trying to eat. Because here's the problem. Like I said in the very beginning of this episode, there is one force, and only one force, that can stop the Hulk. And it's not Juggernaut. Stanley? Lawyers. Close. <laughs> It's Universal Studios. Universal will not allow for there to be a solo Hulk movie done by any other studio. Now, they will allow you to borrow the Hulk as long as he's in a team movie. That's why the Hulk being transferred from the Incredible Hulk of 2008 to MCU Avengers is allowed to be there. And maybe when Disney Plus happens with She-Hulk, Ruffalo says, I'd love to be in it. I bet you would. But uh, Universal's like, no. See, we got this thing, right? We got this thing called the Hulk Ride Now Park. Yeah, we're going to hold on to that. Oh, no. By the way, yeah, good job, Disney. Buy Marvel. Guess what? 
take your time because we've had the rights of the Hulk since 1977. As long as he transforms, he's going to transform with us. Now, isn't in, in there some like, um, like, like with Universal Studios, like you can use the Marvel characters in their parks as long as you maintain using them, and or like, uh, say the same thing with the Fantastic Four, you could, you know, have the, the 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 rights to make a Fantastic Four movie as long as you continue to make one every so often. Universal hasn't made their own Hulk movie. In a long, 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 long time. So, what would be? Is it? Do you know if there would be a contingency by which they would lose? Well, so that's the thing. Like they, they didn't make a sequel for Universal when they had the Ang Lee Hulk, right? Because that was supposed to happen, right? So when Marvel went ahead, they bought the creator rights. So that's how they were able to get their rights back to make a movie with anyone else, but. The problem is, is that Universal has distributor rights mm-hmm. and the rights of first refusal. So, in other words, you can go ahead and make whatever you want with the Hulk, but then, like, when you have to distribute it, they've got to be the ones doing it. Thank you. And Disney doesn't want to let them. Right. Well, they don't want to let Disney just get paid over them doing their stuff because, you know, like, it's crazy. But that's the thing. It's not Juggernaut. The unstoppable force is just universal. All right, last question then. What is stopping Universal from just saying, Mark, come here. <laughs> We're going to pay you a ton of money. Like, you know, come star in our Hulk movie. We can make our own. We're going to distribute on our own. What's stopping them from doing that? If you, if you, I think that's a great question. Uh, if, to be honest, I think the thing is, is, I think there's just a lack of creativity on Universal's part for one thing. But if you're talking like in the legal sense, maybe Ruffalo is still just kind of obligated to that contract that he has with MCU where he can't really get out ah, of that. Okay. So like their thing is like basically he could be in anything. He just can't be in a movie by himself as the Hulk. So the the real problem is, is and I feel bad for Ruffalo in this instance, is that let's say Ruffalo's like, I'm done with this. If you, if Universal is like, I don't know, we like Kirk Landry. He's going to be like, you know, Bruce Banner. He's going to be the Hulk. Well, if they back him, guess what? Now you have a Hulk movie distributed by Universal, you know, studios. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got to get their brand in on that. I just... I just feel bad that in the sense that Marvel was just trying to keep this stuff alive, there's no fortune teller, right? There's no Madame Leota to go to them and say, hey, look, if you just hold on to this character long enough, you'll be paid. These, these guys are going to come pick him. They just did what they had to do, and then I don't think they had any idea of how long giving away their license would last. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that uh, little a bit of history and then a little bit of, of transform. Uh, insight into how it went from the comics to the cinema. Uh, If you want to learn more about us, man, we're about to tell you how to do that in just a little bit. Well, guys, if you want to learn more about us, magicoway.com is the way to go. There you'll find social media links, past episodes, and more. If you want to get in touch with us to share your opinions, you can do so through the following ways. Shoot us an email at show at magicoway.com. Leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe Bridget, or you can call or send us a text message. Yes, I did say text message at 1-815-MO-WEEKEND-669-4226. You did that one a little differently. I did. It, it was, was a little number, weird. Yeah. <laughs> 
And we have a couple of guys do things outside of the podcast. First of all, we got Eli does things with comics. Here we go. Hey, Rob Liefeld here. Deadpool, Cable, X-Force, Domino, Marvel Comics, Image Comics, all of it. You guys, what is up? Eli Ivory. What a great name. Eli Ivory, comic guru. I'm here to talk about you. I am here to say, check out ivorycomics.com. That's right, you. Check out ivorycomics.com. I-V-O-R-Y-C-O-M-I-C-S.com. If you're not doing that, you're missing out. You're missing out. Uh, the Savages comic cannot be beat, cannot be surpassed. You need to check it out. Experience it for yourself. And you know the story. It's all about the glory. Congrats to you and all the magic that you're making with your Ivory Comics. Eli Ivory, comic book guru. Check out IvoryComics.com. Comic book guru. Eli Ivory. The whole package. Deadpool said to. Do it. IvoryComics.com. Right now. Lightfield out. You know what Rob said? You can always appreciate this comic goodness by going to the Ivory Comics website. We can see artwork that I have for Project Geisha. Bolly be damned that of course savages so you can see that for free and of course there's a link to this podcast so you never miss a beat never miss an episode it's good it's good all around you can find me on Facebook Eli H. Ivory I'm out there you can see the Project Geisha on the Facebook page you can also find me on Instagram I'm right there posting up the hearts and the likes and dislikes and all that good stuff Eli 504 is where you can find me there and of course on Twitter you can find me at Hancock 166 so if you appreciate the madness they're just bringing me the gladness Thank you very much. And if you want to book a vacation because you just have to get out the house, you can do so through Lee. Lee, tell him how to do this. Uh, just give me a call at 832-431-1621. That's 832-BROKE-BACK-HULK. <laughs> 832-BRK-BKHLK. You can email me at lee at magicrway.com. Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash lost travel. That's L-A-S-T-O-V-I-C-A travel. Instagram, you got a friend in Lee travel. And if you do any of that, we'll get you hooked up and booked up with no. Hulkavika! And of course, Kirk, thanks once again for joining us on the first show of our birthday month, sir. Thank you for coming in. Oh, it's a, it's an honor. An honor. honor. I am honored to be here. I'm honored that you're here. I'm just honored I got to kick off the next month. Yeah. Do you, wanna, do you need to pimp anything? Nope. Yeah, pimp no. yourself. Pimp, pimp the magic. Uh, I will pimp the Pirates of the Magic Kingdom podcast captain stan and the fellas and one lady are very good at what they do and you and you make appearances there too and i do make appearances there every once in a while yeah bub well thanks for coming on the show we look forward to next time we do it maybe maybe later this month in our birthday actual birthday week i will bring the cake awesome and guys look there are so many ways to support the show as a whole and you can find them all on our website magicarway.com any way in which you can support the show is deeply appreciated we also want to take a second and thank you for being a loyal listener, and we love hearing from our listeners. All opinions are always welcome in the Magic Away podcast, so make sure you get in touch with us today. So, Mohegans, ladies and gentlemen, we say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. Magic out! I have every intention of eating those bananas for breakfast, but I still somehow end up with tacos. Yeah, I care. Hey, it's Lee from the Magic Our Way podcast, and when I'm not stuffing tacos down my throat, I'm listening to the Mad Hatter Radio. Adios, amigos.